WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Governor Gretchen Whitmer will lead the state for four more years as Republican challenger Tudor Dixon has conceded the election. Dixon said that she called Whitmer this morning to wish her well, adding the state's success does not rest with elected officials or government, but with all of us. Whitmer addressed the state this morning ahead of her second term. I can promise you this. We will make Michigan a place where you can envision your future. A state where anyone, no matter who they are, where they come from, how much money they have in their pocket, who they love or how they identify, can thrive right here. Wimmer says she'll continue to focus on kitchen table issues during her second term. Meanwhile, incumbent Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson declared victory over Republican challenger Christina Caramo late last night. Benson's 55% of the vote leads Caramo's 43%, with 86 of the votes counted as of this morning. Benson celebrated her victory alongside another Demo- other Democrats in Detroit. In this election, democracy was on the ballot. Our right to vote was on the ballot. Democracy won here in Michigan because of all of you. Caramo has not conceded the race as of this morning, taking to Twitter to accuse Ann Arbor and several cities in Oakland County of election violations. In her second term, Benson will continue duties like running Michigan Secretary of State branch offices and overseeing routine transactions like driver's license renewals. Also in the elections Tuesday, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel eked out a victory. Michigan's new 38th State House District will be represented by Democrat Joey Andrews when the new legislative session starts in January. Andrews edged out Republican Kevin Whiteford in the election this week. He told us he directly spoke with around 15,000 people during the campaign. When you get in front of people, you get on their door, you talk to them, you hear the issues that matter to them. You get to talk to them and, you know, have that tete-a-tete, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it matters. Andrews says he plans to be available to all district residents when they have concerns. Getting an, a constituency office in the district, I think it's nonsense that you have to call Lansing to get help. Like We need an office that people can find <laughs> go right. to. Andrews said issues like career and technical education, climate change, and short-term rentals are concerns that he shares with voters. He plans to seek a spot on the House Energy Committee to work on issues related to nuclear plants, saying he hopes to attract new investment to the district following the closure of Palisades. Despite controversy and many long meetings over COVID restrictions in schools over the last few years, most school board incumbents survived this week's elections around Berrien County. At Lakeshore Public Schools, Scott Allen and Lori Van Koenig were elected to the Board of Education. At St. Joseph Public Schools, Barry Conde Bear and Rick Dyer won re-election. It was a similar situation with incumbents winning at most Berrien County districts Tuesday, with the exception of Benton Harbor Area Schools and Brandywine Schools. In Benton Harbor, elected to the Board of Education were Elnora Gavin, Angela Doyle, and Deshauna Robinson. A vote to dissolve the village of Breedsville in Van Buren County failed on Tuesday. The village of just 202 residents considered the question along with residents of Columbia Township, which would have, res- would have assumed Breedsville's functions if the dissolution measure had passed. Voters in both jurisdictions, though, said no, and now Breedsville lives on. Village clerk Linda Norton tells us people saw through misinformation and the village council is pleased. They look forward to working with the residents and can't wait to have them come to the meeting and give their input as to what else they'd like to see in the the village. They look forward to going forward. 
A resident filed a petition to dissolve the village over a lawsuit that it's facing from the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy. The agency sued the village for making repairs to a failed dam without getting proper permits. The petition filer told MLive she's just going to try again. Norton couldn't comment on the legal issue. Breedsville was founded in 1835. It was incorporated in 1883. State Representative Brad Paquette of Niles has easily won re-election following the balloting Tuesday. Paquette represents Michigan's 37th district, which covers southern and eastern parts of Berrien County and Cass County. Paquette defeated Democratic challenger Naomi Ludman of Dwajak. Meanwhile, Jonathan Lindsay of Bronson has won in the Michigan Senate's 17th district. He defeats Democrat Scott Rex Starr of Coldwater. Lindsay handily defeated Starr after defeating State Senator Kim Lasada in the Republican primary in August. Michigan's 17th State Senate district covers southern Berrien County on an County. Now back online following a 38-day refueling outage is the Unit 2 reactor of the Cook Nuclear Power Plant in Bridgman. Cook Plant spokesperson Bill Downey tells us around 1,100 contractors as well as Cook's usual 950-person staff performed a variety of maintenance tasks during the refueling outage. We took care of some feed water systems, an air system. Plant air is important for maintaining valves and that sort of thing. So we did an air system upgrade, our moisture separator reheaters. We had to uh, upgrade some piping bellows. So basically a lot of water and steam management. Downey says the refueling outage saw the completion of the plant's 10-year life cycle management project, and now Unit 2 is like new. He says the plant's refueling outages are a benefit to southwest Michigan. It's a great economic boost for sure. Local restaurants and hotels and other entertainment venues certainly do see a boost. And it's nice, too, because it's on the shoulder seasons. We're typically pretty busy in the summer, and when all those tourists go away and there's an outage, you'll see that business drop off a lot less. Downey says Unit 2 was reconnected to the grid early today. The next refueling outage for Unit 1 will be next fall. And U.S. 31, north of Napier Avenue in the Benton Harbor area, is now open to traffic. MDOT, Michigan Department of Transportation spokesperson Nick Sharippa, tells us the $121 million project that connected U.S. 31 to I-94 is complete. Everything we've been working on for these past two and a half years or so is done. It is open at long last. Sharippa says MDOT started extending U.S. 31 from the state line in the 1970s and then brought it from Berrien Springs to Benton Harbor in the 90s. They had to drop plans to connect it to I-94 in 2004 due to the route running through an endangered butterfly's habitat. With everything now worked out, though, Sharippa says the work's been finished on time and within budget. A project of this magnitude over two, two and a half years to be on budget, on time, and be able to, to do something of this magnitude that quickly. It's been pretty incredible to watch. You can now get on to northbound US-31 from Napier Avenue and head all the way to I-196. I-94 work in the affected area is also complete. Sharippa notes there will still be some off-road work next year related to the project, but nothing that will affect traffic. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. The counting continues from Tuesday's elections. More from ABC Sherry Preston. Your voice, your vote in Georgia State Secretary Brad Raffensperger, who was just reelected, taking on a familiar role in announcing a runoff in the Senate race. There is one race in our state that is going to be moving to the December 6th runoff. That is the race for the United States Senate between Senator Raphael Warnock 
and Herschel Walker. Raffensperger says the mail-in ballots and early in-person voting shattered midterm election records in the state. In Wisconsin, Republican Senator Ron Johnson is the projected winner after a challenge from Democrat Mandela Barnes. ABC's Devin Dwyer says turnout likely played a role. Very high number on the older end of the spectrum, a lower number, 11 percent of the 18 to 29-year-old range. Why does that matter? Well, the bread and butter for the Democrats in Wisconsin are those younger voters. That's down uh, from six years ago, on the higher end of the spectrum there, those uh, 45 to 64, that's up significantly since the last election. With continuing coverage of the midterms, Michelle Franz and ABC News. No digital intrusions are known to have affected the counting of the midterm vote. Officials on Election Day kept close watch for domestic and foreign threats. A few state and local governments appeared to have been hit by a relatively rudimentary form of cyber attack that periodically made public websites unreachable. But U.S. and local officials say none of those attacks breached vote-counting infrastructure. An official at the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency says there was no known activity, quote, that should cause anyone to question the security, integrity, or resilience of the election. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is reacting to the results in the midterm elections as control of the upper chamber remains up for grabs for now. Maybe she's Elizabeth Shelsey has more from Washington. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell would become Majority Leader again if Republicans successfully flip the Senate. But it could still be weeks before he'll know if he gets that title bump with Georgia's Senate race heading toward a runoff. Asked by ABC News how he feels about his party's chances of taking control of the Senate, McConnell responded, I don't deal in feelings. The balance of power in the Senate is coming down to Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona as the vote tallying continues. Elizabeth Schulze, ABC News, Washington. Elon Musk is seeking to reassure big companies that advertise on Twitter his chaotic takeover of the social media platform will not harm their brands. He acknowledged that some, quote, dumb things might happen on his way to creating a better, safer user experience. The latest erratic move on the minds of major advertisers was Musk's decision to abolish new official a new official label on high-profile Twitter accounts just hours after introducing it. Twitter started adding the gray labels to some prominent accounts, including brands like Coca-Cola, Nike, and Apple. But a few hours later, the labels started disappearing. Moscow has ordered a military retreat from the Ukrainian city of Kherson. A Russian withdrawal from the city would be a major blow for Vladimir Putin, or maybe he's Tom Sufi Burridge in Kyiv. Russia's defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, saying his forces were pulling out east of Kherson city and back over the Dnipro River to establish defensive positions on the other side. With Ukrainian forces advancing in the region and using US-supplied rockets to destroy bridges over the river, disrupting Russian supply lines, Western officials have for weeks been predicting a Russian withdrawal. If confirmed, it would be yet another bitter defeat for Vladimir Putin that was unimaginable just months ago. Tom Sufi Burridge, ABC News, Kiev. Republican and Democratic leaders alike in the U.S. House are both trying to spin positive news out of last night's elections as control of the chamber remains up for grabs for the time being. More from ABC's Elizabeth Schulze. It wasn't the night House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy had hoped for as far as a red wave in Congress. In long-delayed remarks at an event in Washington overnight, the Republican leader tried to project confidence that his party will succeed in taking control. It is clear that we are going to take the House back. With several races and the balance of power still up for grabs, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi celebrated, saying in a statement, Democratic members and candidates are strongly outperforming expectations across the country. Elizabeth Schulze, ABC News, Washington. Abortion rights supporters won in the four states where access was on the ballot yesterday. 
Voters enshrined it in the state constitution in Michigan, as well as Blue California and Vermont. An anti-abortion measure was defeated in Deep Red, Kentucky. The ballot initiatives come months after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and the constitutional right to abortion it guaranteed to women nationwide. The June decision has led to near-total bans in a dozen states. Nationally, about two-thirds of voters say abortion should be legal in most or all cases, according to AP VoteCast, a survey of more than 90,000 voters around the country. And the United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP27, is underway in Egypt. More from ABC's Inez de la Quatera on one of this year's biggest agenda points. The focus here has really been on smaller developing nations calling for developed countries to set up a so-called loss and damage fund that would essentially help them rebuild after climate disasters. So the idea here being that it's these bigger, more developed countries that are responsible for global warming. They're the ones that have really emitted the most carbon dioxide, yet it's the smaller developing countries that are really bearing the brunt of climate change. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.